When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. We have allowed ourselves to become so disconnected and ignorant about something that is as intimate as the food that we eat. Be prepared to grow your own for victory. I'm said I need somebody strong enough to clear trees and heave bales, yet gentle enough to yean lambs and wean pigs and tend the pink foamed pullets who will stop his mower for an hour to splint the broken leg of a meadow lark. So God made a farmer. Well, hello and welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. I'm your host, Harold Thornbro, and glad you're joining me again this week. This is episode 122, May 12th, 2019. And today I'm going to be joined by uh, homesteader and market gardener Jason Smith to talk about his homesteading journey and a little bit about the ins and outs of establishing and running a market garden. And I know that's something a lot of folks are interested in. Anytime we can um, take the thing we love, our homestead, and and uh, and make money with it and uh, support our family, it just adds a little bit more freedom to our life and um, and a little bit more enjoyment. And uh, I think it's something a lot of a lot of homesteaders would just love to get into doing. But before we jump into all that, let's talk about a few uh, homestead updates around here. Um, see what happened this week. I planted two different variety of elderberries on the homestead that i purchased from uh, stark brothers nursery that, that's kind of cool i've always wanted some elderberry grown on the property uh, just a lot of um, uh, medicinal benefits i think it's a pretty cool plant and i wanted a couple varieties so i got them now and uh, it'll probably be a couple years before we start seeing um you know fruit from those but uh, seeing the berries from those but uh, looking forward to that also got in my wine cap mushroom spawn that i ordered from field and forest um uh, I'm putting that bed, I think I talked about it on the last episode, but there's a bed, uh, an area on my house, north side of my house, kind of shaded, gets an hour or two of sunlight a day, so it's not getting a lot of sunlight. The ground's always moist over there. Just, you know, it is, it's not an ideal place for planting nearly anything except for mushrooms. So got some, uh, it's a sawdust uh, mushroom spawn and um, putting a bed in over there and, and, and uh, we're going to do the uh, straw and, um, and uh, wood chips and uh, grow it in that so it ought to work out pretty good and look forward to getting those hopefully we'll get some of those this year also i ordered some tilapia for the aquaponics system from lakeway tilapia i i've always been kind of on the you know do i want to raise tilapia so many people do it i like eating tilapia it's one of my favorite fish to eat um but you know i kept thinking are they hardy enough for indiana weather you know but i got to look at the time it takes to grow them and i always do put a heater in my tank anyway and and i got the blue uh, tilapia which are you know they they're a little bit more hardy i think on temperature uh, especially on the lower end than than some of the other tilapia from what i was reading and i just pulled the trigger on it and i ordered some uh, ordered some tilapia so those will be in here in a few days and get those acclimated to the aquaponics system and and so that's just doing really awesome i mean i'm just I'm just really happy with the aquaponic system. Everything in there. I've got some. Uh, I got some uh, um, cabbage. I've got cucumbers. I've got a cherry tomato. See, mint's been growing in there all winter. Surprisingly. Um, what else we got in there? There's a couple other things. Oh, some kale growing in there. 
Uh, I don't know. I think there's even a couple other things, but everything that's planted in there, I also have those things planted in the ground and other places. And it's just, you know, it's double the size in the aquaponics tank is what it is anywhere else. So I'm wanting to expand that and grow that. Uh, um, and, and, you know, I need to get a little bit more fish in there that I don't really have enough fish in there. So I ordered some tilapia to throw in there with them. And I'm telling you this year is kind of going to be the deciding factor. Last year, I didn't get to really have the aquaponics by the time I built it, it was in the summer. I really didn't get to the full experience of aquaponics through a whole summer, you know, through a whole year. And if everything goes real well this year and, and I'm really liking what I'm seeing, which so far I am, uh, I'm pulling out some regular raised beds next year and I'm replacing them with aquaponics beds. Uh, I just, I like everything about them. I mean, I just, I don't have to be watering my, you know, my plants. I don't have to weed, you know, things grow faster. I can really pack things in there really, uh, 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 close together and it just it, in every way it seems to do better now yeah you have to watch a few things you have to you know watch the uh, ph on your system you have to pay attention to things like that and things there i mean you do have to go out there and check on things but so far it's just been running great and i know there'll be some problems but um yeah i'm loving what i'm seeing and and you get fish <laughs> so on top of all that you get some fish to eat so that's kind of cool too so yeah i'm really excited about that i'm real excited about getting those those tilapia and you know and i'm gonna you know do the whole duckweed thing and keep duckweed growing in a in a little pool and 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 just kind of um you know feed them with that mainly and just try that way that way it's kind of free food too even for the fish so i just think uh i think it's gonna work out really well but you know time will tell and i'll of course keep everyone uh posted on how that's going but i'm really liking what i'm seeing so far i'm also building a more appropriate arbor for my grapes when i first put my my arbor up for my grapes, it was one of the first things i did on this homestead i built a couple raised beds i built this little it wasn't even an arbor it was a trellis and i planted a grapevine in front of it and i just kind of tied it back against this trellis and i'd kind of walk it over and i'd put a piece of cattle panel over uh attach it to my garage and kind of hang it over to the to the uh, trellis to kind of walk it across the top well I'm, I'm putting in something a little bit more appropriate a little more heavy duty i'm dropping some more posts and and i'm putting an entire cattle panel roof on it and uh, i'm just going to make it bigger and better and how so it'll just kind of house a lot more grapes and make them easier to harvest as well and look a little bit better so i'm actually building on that right now i was going to try to finish that up today but of course it's rained all day so <laughs> i haven't really wanted to get out and do anything um, but yeah, we just got a lot going on around here. It's that time of the year where just a lot of building and setting up and I'm still working things out of the greenhouse into the garden. Um, still got some chard to, to work out of there and some other things. I mean, there's still some things I need to get out of there and plant in the garden that I haven't got around to yet because we've had a couple days of rain and last weekend I didn't get anything done. I didn't even get this podcast out as many of you probably noticed because I had the flu. I haven't had a flu, like a, a hard serious flu in many years not like that and that hit me hard and i was over in about 24 hours as far as the uh the uh, really nasty part of the flu but uh boy i i was drained my energy was drained for a couple days after that and i didn't do anything i didn't want to do anything around the house it was all i could do to uh, go back to work that monday so yeah but um didn't get a lot done last weekend this weekend it's raining most of the weekend so yeah that's just the way things go sometimes i've been out in the rain doing a little bit of stuff but there's only so much you can do you know when it comes to digging holes and planting stuff uh, when it's really really raining hard so but that's what's been going on around here and uh lot lot going on and uh with that let's just jump right into our main topic with uh with jason on homesteading and market gardening and i think you're gonna like this you know uh, uh jason and his his wife megan and daughter have been homesteading for a number of years 
They run a farm market that sells to local restaurants in the Nashville area. They raise vegetables year-round. Uh, they use unheated greenhouses, and um, and they have some laying hens that, the, and that they have for eggs, and, and, and they sell the eggs. And they can food and heat their house using a wood stove. And they just do all the homesteading things, you know. And they have a pretty successful homestead. And he likes to share about his experiences and and uh, inspire folks to get started homesteading. So, uh, so with that, let's just jump right into this conversation with Jason. Well, Jason, welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. Hey, it's good to be here. I, I appreciate you having me on. We're uh, we're fans, and uh, we uh, we we love the uh, content you're putting out there for people to hear. So, well, I appreciate that. Well, we always like to to have folks on and tell us their story and just uh, what homesteading's been, been doing for them. And so uh, that's what we like to do: just uh, hear what you know a little bit about you and uh, your homestead and what you're doing there. So, uh, how'd you get into homesteading? Well, um, that's a great question. We kind of uh, Megan and I kind of stumbled into it. I feel like we, uh, you know, we we've got a lot of experience farming. We farmed uh, with some folks up the road here, and then you know we've helped a couple people out on their farms. So we really got a lot of experience. We purchased some land uh, about ten years ago, and we just started uh, just raising some vegetables out here on our property. Got a couple of chickens, and uh, the next thing you know, we're we've got a couple greenhouses. We have quite a few chickens. The garden keeps getting bigger, and then we start doing things kind of year-round. We start eating our house with wood, so uh, I feel like we kind of just stumbled into it, um, and it's really become uh, it's just really become a lifestyle for us at this point. Yeah, anybody that plants a little a couple things and gets a couple chickens is just doomed to go down that path, aren't they? <laughs> I would say so. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's 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 almost like a drug. To be honest with you, um, no. it's a lot of fun and it's very rewarding. So. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So, did you? I mean, uh, did you grow up on a homestead? Is it something you always wanted to do, or did you just uh, just decided to do it one day? No, I didn't really grow up on a homestead. I mean, I grew up uh, actually. I grew up over in Western North Carolina, and now, of course, I live in Middle Tennessee. But um, grew up always being outdoors. Uh, my dad always had a big garden. I uh, always just um, seemed like he just kind of encouraged us to be outdoors. Mm-hmm. And uh, I kind of got away from it there when I went to college, uh, and uh, was really itching to get back to it. And so I, you know, that's that's kind of how, you know, I just I, I think I had the foundation there with my dad. Yeah. And always want the garden, always want to be outside. You know, they always had a wood stove, and and so I learned quite a bit from him. I, I guess at the time I didn't realize what I was learning, right. but. Uh, Boy, now I, I certainly do. Yeah, sure, sure. So, so you didn't just jump right into to homesteading uh, out of college. You went to the the business world for a while, or corporate world, or what, what, what was that path yep. like for you? Yep. So, um, I've been in the corporate world for for um, for quite a while now, and, and I'm still in it. Um, so, it's kind of a I, I I don't know if I get the best of both worlds, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, I, I live, we live just um, about 35 miles outside of Nashville. So, um, so I, I commute into Nashville and I, I do work. And so um, I'm fortunate enough to work for, for, for a pretty good company. And so I, I do have the best of both worlds, I think. If I want to get away from it, I certainly can. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, I'll, I have to, uh, I do have to go into the office. So. <laughs> Well, you're, you live down there in my old stomping grounds. I, I went to high school in Cookville, Tennessee, which isn't too far away from there. And, and it's just a, it's a beautiful area down there. I love it. Yeah, it is. We're in Lebanon, so we're not that far from Cookville. We go up yeah. there 
um, to go hiking and stuff around Cookville. So awesome! Yeah, it's just a really nice area. I lived down here, I think maybe five or six years, something like that, when you know, my high school years and just after. And yeah, I really liked it down there. But now I'm in Indiana, so it's quite a bit different. But you know, we still have a great growing area up here. You know, as far as gardening and things like that. And and uh, but yeah, you're in a great area there. For you get you still get all four seasons, but it's not so harsh of a climate either way that it makes for a really really good uh, homesteading environment for sure. Yeah, winters aren't too bad here. So um, uh, it was we just had we had a really wet winter this past winter, mm-hmm. but um, we're we're fortunate enough to where we can grow uh, stuff year round here, just using just really some simple techniques, inexpensive low tunnels, and uh, that are not heated. And, and we, you know, you don't have to you don't have to spend a lot of money to do this stuff. But we we literally grow stuff year round. Okay. All right. Now, now let's talk a little bit about some of the things you're doing. Are you market gardening, or are you just doing this for yourself, or how are you doing this? Yeah, we have a market garden. We uh, we we like I said, we raise vegetables year round. We sell to uh, friends, and then uh, we got restaurants we we work with. Hmm. Uh, we also do some microgreens uh, through the winter. Uh, I do have uh, I do have a greenhouse, a smaller greenhouse that I that I can heat. I've got a wood stove in there that I can heat it with, and then. Um, we grow really kind of, we, we try to grow niche kind of stuff like mm-hmm. salad turnips, uh, salad mix, uh, really kind of weird tomatoes, um, just kind of stuff that's, I want to say it's kind of in the back of the seed catalog that a lot of people yeah. don't really want to grow. So that's really kind of what we do. And that's, um, that's why we market it to, uh, to the restaurants and then uh last summer we did an on-farm actually market on saturdays where we where we were here on on our place selling uh, selling stuff on saturdays in previous years we have uh, participated in uh another local market but uh, i just found it a little bit easier we're in a pretty good location where we are so i found it a little bit easier where i have to pack up everything on saturday morning drive it up to the market right. and set it out there all day and then turn around pack it up and then bring it back whatever we didn't sell so here i built a walk-in cooler uh that i use a cool bot uh to cool and it's just nice to have it all here and we can just set up here we can sell here i can be here all day i don't have to go sit at a market all day and then i can just pull product right out of the cooler if somebody comes up so that's great yeah now do you uh, do you do a csa or you just basically just sell what you have at the time and direct or, or how do you sell it like to the individuals no we do um we don't do a csa we have in the past we did that a mm-hmm. couple of years ago um and it just really didn't work out with um just it just, we logistically we just couldn't get it to work out yeah so yeah we just sell direct i mean um basically with the restaurants so on basically on monday i will i'll send out a text to the chefs that I'm working with, and I'll say, hey, this is what, what we're probably going to be harvesting this upcoming week. Uh, just let me know what you want, and then usually they'll put their order in, and I usually try to get it to them by midweek or, or even close to the weekend. And so that's that's kind of the way the restaurant piece of it works. And then uh, the on-farm stuff, I mean, we literally just bag up everything we can, and then on Saturday we just, we just put the signs out and say, hey, we're open, <laughs> and we usually open up at like, nine in the morning and we stay out there until like two so yeah yeah that's pretty yeah that's pretty cool and uh, now did you have uh, any kind of experience in the restaurant world before you started this or did you just kind of jump into it and, and see how it went or how, how'd that play out no actually i didn't but 
man, I tell you what, getting in with these chefs is really difficult. I'll be honest yeah. with you. I, I mean, I have, I have done a lot of marketing to chefs and, you know, it's just really, I think you really have to get in there and try to build a relationship with that, mm-hmm. with those, with those guys. And it's been difficult, but I've, I've had some success with, uh, with one guy and he's kind of introduced me to a couple of others. And so it's, it's kind of funny. It's a small world. A lot of those guys know each other. So, um, you gotta be really careful if you have a bad product and you, and you deliver it They They all talk. And so oh, yeah. they all know. So, yeah. um, but yeah, it was hard, man. It was really hard. Actually, it was, a. Uh, I got in with, with, uh, with Christian, the chef that I'm working with now, um, uh, I used to work with with his brother at a at a corporate job, and uh, and that's that's really how that's how I made the connection. So, yeah, I would think that it would be really, uh, like you said, kind of tough to get in there, but I think it could be really rewarding too. I mean, it's a it's pretty much a guaranteed sell if you got good product once you get in the door with these people, and and uh, yeah, you might have to mark the prices down a little bit, stay competitive, but you know that's that's a way to move product every week. I would think. Yep, it is, and. Um, it's nice. It works out for, for Megan and I very well because the way, you know, our lifestyle is, is we, I, I would prefer to have an order like that where I have a big order like that mm-hmm. where I can just take it one day a week and just drop it off and then I'm done with it. I don't have to, you know, bag up uh, all that stuff like individually and um, in, in little bags. Whereas if you're selling to the consumer, obviously, they don't want a case of salad turnips. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. Right. So, but you, when you're working with a restaurant, they say, yeah, I want a case of salad turnips. And you know, it's obviously I got one sale there versus 20 sales, you know, at the other one. So, um, but it's, it, it has been very rewarding. And, uh, I think that the chef that I'm working with is, is, um, he's just got a good personality um, and he, you know, he, he works well with me. So I think we have pretty good chemistry there. Now, do you, you obviously probably have to really uh, clean all these really well and you have them all prepped really well for these restaurants. I don't know what you, all you have to go through to, to present them to the restaurants, but it probably a little bit more than, than for the average person, I would think. Yep, it is. Uh, so like with salad mix, obviously mm-hmm. we, we triple wash it and then, um, you got to bag it, you got to bag it in a, and then and put it in a cooler. Uh, so you, you have to have a little bit of infrastructure in place yeah. to be able to do this. You can't just do this stuff out of your kitchen. Uh, it's going to be really difficult if you try to do it out of your kitchen. You're going to get really frustrated mm-hmm. quickly, and you're probably going to end up with an angry customer. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I'm going to find snails and slugs in their lettuce. <laughs> yeah. Hey, right. Yep. Yeah, so, now, you had to – so you had – Built up a complete system for for washing, uh, your triple wash and all that. I mean, how how'd that work? Did you buy some industrial stuff? Did you build your own setup? How'd you do that? Nope, I built my own setup. And so, um, if you come out here to our farm, you'd be able to see a lot of our structures out here are are portable. And so, I've always always really tried to keep everything portable in case I change my mind. I want to move stuff around. All of my washing stations are actually portable, and they're just uh, they're just tables that I've made out of usually spare spare lumber and I've they're wire mesh tables mm-hmm. and I've set up uh obviously I've set up uh I've built uh like uh hookups for with PVC pipe so I can just hook in a hose or, or hook it into a, a water hose and and wash stuff that way so I've got portable washing stations 
And if I want to move them, I can move them down to my garden. I can move them over to my greenhouse, my big greenhouse. I can move them wherever. And I can just pick them up with the forks on my tractor and move this stuff around. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's kind of the way we did it. Now, I'll be honest with you. It gets really cold in winter when you're trying to wash microgreens (laughs) outside. Yes. So it gets, it gets cold and it can be a little, uh, it can be unbearable. So, what we did this past winter is uh, in, in, a, in our house we have a we have a basement in our house and that's uh, where our wood stove is. And we set up a station downstairs in our yeah. our basement because it was a little too cold. There was a couple of times we had to do it inside, but yeah, um, yeah, for sure. We try we yeah we try to make everything portable. Um, um, obviously, we've got some permanent structures, but for the majority, when I'm building something, I try to think of it as being portable and let's be able to move it around. Yeah. You got like fan setups and everything on that. So you can keep get everything good and dry and free bag it up and, and all that. I do. Yep. So I've got uh, one station that literally has a fan um, it, and it's just nothing but a box fan. I mean, we're talking mm-hmm. about simple stuff here, a box fan that's sitting above a drying table. And I will, uh, after, after we triple wash it, we dump it into a salad spinner. It's, it's a big salad spinner. Um, and then we spin it through that two times, and then we dump it out on the table, and then the fan just blows on it, and then we just leave it sitting there for a couple of minutes, kind of sort through it, pick out if there's any, you know, weeds or anything in it or whatever. We, mm-hmm. We'll pick it out and then just kind of inspect it, and then we bag it up there and just toss it in the cooler. Okay. Yeah, it sounds real similar to uh, Curtis Stone's setup. I, I don't know if you're familiar with him and some of the setups he uses, but it sounds a lot like that. Yeah, very very similar to Curtis Stone. So I've I've uh, I, I've stolen a whole bunch of his ideas, <laughs> but I just uh, kind of tweaked them um, to where they 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 fit in out here at our sure. our place. Uh, yeah. Again, I think I think we tried to make everything as portable as possible. I don't know if that that Curtis does that, but yeah, he's uh, he's got some good stuff out there. Oh he's, yeah, for he's sure. He's been a big inspiration. So yeah, I agree. Yeah, he uh, yeah. There's no, nothing wrong with borrowing somebody else's great ideas. That's for sure. And he's he's been in the business a while, and he's been he he's really uh, got great ideas for uh, you know moving product and, and prepping product and, and even growing in small spaces in a way that's just really uh, efficient so yeah he's he's a great guy to follow for that kind of stuff yeah yeah so you're doing the you're doing the the vegetable thing are you doing anything else on your farm as far as like uh, chickens are you obviously have chickens but i mean are you selling anything like meat or eggs or anything like that uh just eggs we don't yeah. uh, we don't sell we don't sell any meat so just eggs we have uh, right now we have about 30 hens but we're probably uh we're probably getting ready to up that um chickens are very important to our farm um mm-hmm. Uh, because they, they do so much. Uh, obviously, we we gather eggs every day. Obviously, the most obvious thing they do is they give us eggs to eat, and we sell eggs to, to friends and, and neighbors and whatnot. But um, our chickens do a lot for us. They they Obviously, they mow grass. They take care of uh, a lot of the bugs. Mm-hmm. Uh, we use their manure on our on our compost pile, which, which goes back into our garden. They eat all of our table scraps so that we don't have to put that stuff in the garbage and then haul it off to a landfill. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, they're very important out here. They're they're an integral part of our farm, and we would we would um, this place would look very different without without chickens. So we like take really good care of them. Sounds like you've taken almost a permaculture approach with your chickens <laughs> towards your garden. Yeah, I guess I guess. We we kind of have. Um, yeah. We each day, uh, whenever we take care of the chickens um, in the afternoon, 
they'll scrape, uh, they'll just take a paint scraper and then scrape the manure up and, and put it in a five gallon bucket. And then usually we will empty that uh, once a week onto our compost pile. And we'll make, obviously we, we keep that going and keep compost. Um, and so whenever we're gathering eggs or, and, and feeding in the afternoons, and then uh, we keep them moving. We keep our chickens moving. Uh, we have plots that we just, we, we have portable netting that we use. Mm-hmm. And then all my chicken coops have been built on pallets. And I, I built them to where uh, you could just pick them up with the forks on our front end loader on our tractor. And we can just pick them up and move them. And so uh, that's one thing I kind of pride myself on is our chickens just go kind of the way we've set it up. I haven't seen anybody with a setup like this before. And we've been really successful with this setup uh, with building portable, with building coops on pallets and using electric netting to um to keep them keep the predators out yeah i'd love to see a picture of that i'd like to like to see how you got that set up that sounds pretty cool yeah yeah and the, it's it's funny you, you could probably walk around our our farm out here and go oh well that's the first one you ever build i can tell and they they, they get a little bit better each time i build them, so. <laughs> well that's the way it's supposed to work yeah yeah, yeah. I, that, that's something i always encourage folks just get started it ain't going to be perfect in the beginning you know do what you can do with what you have and get going and you can try to perfect it later you know just get something going and unless you unless you make your mistakes and and, and throw something together early you'll never get to that point where it's better you know right right yeah well absolutely so, you mentioned that you're doing microgreens as well. Now, uh, you mostly do those in the winter time. Uh, we do we do some year round, like the sunflower shoots and pea shoots. We'll mm-hmm. do year round, uh, but yes, we we are doing microgreens year round, and it's a good way to supplement uh, income, especially in December, January, February when there's just not much. We're just not we're just not harvesting that much at, at that point, but. Obviously, with sunflower shoots and pea shoots, mm-hmm. we can turn those in about seven days. And so we try to keep the inventory turning in our greenhouse and that small greenhouse we have uh, throughout the winter, just selling micros to uh, restaurants. And it's been it really we had a lot of help this this uh, past winter with uh, working with uh, working with the chef. So it, that one that helped out a bunch this winter. So micros are a great way to supplement some income if uh, if 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 you can make it happen, so yeah. Do you have any uh, uh, luck selling them to individuals, or do you only sell those to restaurants? No, we had some luck selling to individuals uh, at the at farmers markets mm-hmm. and and even out here. But they're just um, people. The, the general public just doesn't really know what to do with them, so right. you kind of have to educate them. But That's... I've got a handful of, uh, of of folks that are that that are interested in them and they want them. But then there's the other extreme, which is, oh, I've never even heard of those before. Yeah, so. I get a lot of that. You know, I, I, small town in Indiana, it's just not a big uh, a foodie crowd around here where I'm at. And, and just get, helping people understand what it is you're growing. Because, you know, you can show up like everybody else with the, the regular old stuff. You know, you got head lettuce, you got tomatoes, you got your corn, you got your be- Everybody's bringing the same stuff. And then you'll bring something different because you think, oh, that's great. You know, I'll have something different that people will really go for. And then you show up with something different and nobody knows what it is and nobody wants to try it. Yeah. And you have to educate people on it so i didn't know if you'd had any luck doing that or not because it, it's it's a process you have to create a market where one doesn't exist if nobody knows what it is yeah yeah you do you're, you're exactly right and uh, i mean that first year we were selling these at the farmer's market boy no, they most of these folks didn't have a clue they were just like what well what is a sunflower shoot like what what, what do you <laughs> what do you even do with it and i'm like just taste it you know 
And so I would I would just hand samples out and say, just taste it. You know, what do you think? And, you know, you can use it as a garnish on a salad or a sandwich or, you know, you can use them for juice. And um, um, you can use them you can use them to make pesto. I mean, it's, it's, it's just a whole whole world of stuff you can do with micros right and just educating them on the on the nutritional impact they can have on you too i mean it's so, there's just so many good uh, great things about microgreens you know that it's, it just packs a lot more vitamins than than a full-grown plant yeah absolutely yeah yep. well, that's that's kind of been my experience too i've tried to introduce folks to those kind of things and it's just kind of a slow process it takes a little bit of time of course i'm not doing it on the scale that you're doing it. i'm just doing a little uh, i just have a small greenhouse and just do a, you know, a few trays a week but you know uh no restaurants around here either because it's not like this it's a small town and you know not a lot of um uh, big restaurants around here or anything so there's really not that market here you'd have to drive I'd have to drive about 50 miles to really find that kind of market and uh so yeah. you try to introduce it to individuals but that's it is tougher than i think than with restaurants on things like that you have a, both ways you know it's like in some ways uh dealing with chefs is, is more difficult and then when it comes to specialty items it's actually more difficult uh dealing out with people you know with the individuals right right absolutely yeah. So, well, it sounds like you got quite a bit going on there. Then, so uh, you guys uh, just have like a farm stand that you've built, or you just sell them out of your house, or how's that look? Well, we've got um, obviously we sell, we try to market as much to restaurants as we can, but mm-hmm. then uh, we've got friends that, that that buy that buy from us, and then also obviously we we try to sell off of our yeah um, off our farm just just right here. Usually, we usually start in May. And then I think we went through the probably mid October, maybe late October, and then um, then we just kind of shut it down after that because it starts getting cold and yeah. nobody nobody's really interested in buying anything. Have you have you yeah, we like got, a storefront or a, like a stand or, or whatnot, or you just people just pull in yet. and knock on the door? <laughs> no, people just pull in. Actually, our yeah. the way our property, uh, the way our our farm set up is kind of everything from a consumer standpoint is, is down in the front. So we mm-hmm. don't, we don't have people up here at our house. Um, and so I've got a really big greenhouse, a commercial greenhouse that's about halfway up. Um, and it's, you, you can't miss it whenever you're coming up our drive. We usually set up right in front of that big greenhouse okay. and we just put a, I mean, we basically just, it, it looks like a little farmer's market. We just put a big tent up and then we'll just, uh, we'll put our product out on, uh, on on display right there on saturdays and that's that's kind of how we do it is this like a big giant uh, like like a hoop house type greenhouse it is it's a hoop house yep it's uh it is it's i think it's three or four thousand square feet so oh, wow. yeah big one yeah. <laughs> do you put that yeah. up yourself or I, I i did actually my my uh my sister-in-law uh scored this greenhouse uh from somebody that was going out of business and she brought the hoops um, up to us and my dad and I took and we uh, we enclosed the ends and then I set the hoops and uh, we just we just built it I mean we we kind of uh, it's just one of those things you know you kind of learn by by experience so we we started building it and then we figured out okay well we figured out what was going to work and what's not what was not going to work and so we we tried to put it in a location where the wind wasn't going to just beat it down and so we've kind of mm-hmm. got it in a, in a in a little bit of a dip in our our property so uh, it's it's in a good spot it gets plenty of sunshine and the wind um still hits it a little bit but not nearly as bad as if it were right at the front of our our farm 
Yeah. Does that have like the roll up sides and stuff like that, or is it been laid in a different way? No, it doesn't. But it doesn't have a roll up side. But um, I put a really big door on on one end of it, and it's got one of those huge fans on the other end. Yeah. And so uh, when on really hot days, I can just uh, I can prop that door open, and there's enough breeze blowing through there. But we don't we don't use that thing in the in I mean, basically from May until the end of September, there's nothing in that thing. Oh, okay. I just cover it with uh, I just cover it with uh, silage tarp in there, so the weeds don't take over. Yeah. And and then we start planting again in it probably late August, early September. We start planting cool season crops in there. So you're planting right in the ground in it. Yep, right in the ground. Yeah, um, yeah just I just carry I bring compost in there, and we just build. You know, basically just try to build on top of uh, the year before. So, yeah, I just had somebody on. I interviewed the, the other day, uh, and uh, she about hoop houses, and they use their hoop house year round. They just cover it in shade cloth, and they grow stuff all the way through the summer in there, and they're uh, you know in a really hot environment too. And I thought, yeah, that's pretty interesting. I mean, depending on how big of a uh, of a hoop house you have, I mean, that could be, I guess it'd be a lot of work covering it up with a lot of shade cloth. But that was pretty interesting. Way yeah, we, one all year round. We, yeah, we do have a shade cloth that goes over it, but it is an absolute beast to try and yeah. put that thing on and, and take it off. And for I just I just stopped messing with it actually last year. Um, to I just said, man, this is a lot of work just to <laughs> right. try and try and keep this thing cool when I don't have a whole lot in it anyway. Because we're yeah. we're pretty blessed with with uh, we've got plenty of land and we've yeah. got plenty of good good ground to grow on here, and so you know. It, I just figured I'll just shut that thing down pretty much in the summer, and then in the fall we kick it back up again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're blessed with a lot of land. There's a, I was getting ready to say that you don't really need it, so there ain't a lot of point in going through all the the trouble of that. But if it was if you were more limited on space and you want to use that space, yeah, it's definitely a thing you could do. Yes. So, what's your uh, plans for the future? I mean, you is there a, a thought that you might go to transition to this uh, full time at some point and it just be your main business, or what's your plans there? Yeah, I would love to. That'd be that would that would be um, obviously that'd be the uh, the goal here is to mm-hmm. try and be doing this full time. Uh, um, I think I'd be a little happier just not having to commute into Nashville right. all the time. But um, you know, it's a pretty good gig. I'm not going to complain about it. Uh, yeah. I'm not going to complain about it. But yeah, I mean, I'd love to be able to do this full time at, at some point, or you know, set it up to where maybe my daughter could. I I don't know. But, um, sure. but yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun and, um, we, we love doing it and, you know, there's, we have, it's kind of funny. We have something basically for each season that we're, we're working on out here, whether it's, you know, no dead of winter or building furniture. Um, okay. And, yeah. and, and so, yeah, I mean, we're always doing something out here on rainy days or something. It's never Never a dull moment. There's always something to do here. So you, just, you got a bunch of you got some diversity in your income stream there. You got a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, we do, and that's one of the things um, setting this place up. I, you know, Megan and I've always tried to be. We want to diversify our our, our different things out here. You know, whether it's um, doing microgreens or raising mm-hmm. vegetables or, or or trying to build furniture on the side or doing something with with chickens, and then obviously. Uh, you know, we, we heat our house with a wood stove, uh, which is a really foreign concept to a lot of folks that live, that work and play in the corporate world. Um, so it's, they're like, holy cow, you heat your house with a wood stove. Aren't you afraid of catching your house on fire? <laughs> I'm like, no, no, actually I'm not. 
funny how some people is, heat, actually. yeah it's funny how with some people that's just so ordinary and with some people it's just so it seems so extreme and strange to them <laughs> right yeah absolutely and so um but yeah it's uh it's a wonderful lifestyle and uh you know megan and i want to uh, we want to share what we're doing so that we hopefully we can you know help somebody along the way or inspire somebody to to um to, to choose to do this well, yeah, I think you're doing that. Sounds like have you ever thought about opening up your farm or do you open up your farm to like farm farm tours or anything like that? No, we haven't yet. Boy, I've, I've kind of toyed with the idea in my yeah. mind to, to uh, maybe host something out here to where we can do some hands on uh, stuff, especially around uh, growing vegetables year round mm-hmm. in this particular climate uh, or even uh, kind of how we manage our, our chickens and the success that we've had with that. Cause I can tell you this: we've had a lot of failures whenever mm-hmm. we first started with the chickens, but I think we've 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 we figured it out. So, uh, and we're getting a lot of we have figured it out for this area and for this climate, and we get a lot of pressure from predators on our chickens because yeah, yeah. the the growth and the development that they're having in Nashville. So it's just pushing um, predators; it just pushes them out our way. So coyotes and things, big issue there. Yep. Yeah. Coyotes, fox, uh, raccoons, uh, mm-hmm. hawks. <laughs> yeah. Well, it sounds like you know, you know that you, you do have a desire to to, to kind of help people, you know, help them uh, maybe get into this lifestyle and stuff. So yeah, I think things like uh, you know on farm training and agri tourism are really big, and there's a lot of folks doing that right now. There's a lot of interest in that right now. So I think it'd be pretty cool if that'd be a something you decide to do at some point. I mean, a lot of people I think could benefit from that for sure. But I also think it probably does come with a few headaches. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we've, um, you know, I guess having people out here on our farm, I don't know what, what kind of liability like yeah. that looks like, but that's not really something we want to bite off, I don't think. But, sure. you know, it's certainly open to um, helping folks out and, and especially somebody getting started in this and just just trying to inspire some folks to, to you know, test this lifestyle and uh, see if see if it's what they want and you know, draw from our experience because boy, we've got we've got quite a few years of it. Yeah. Well, I talk to a lot of homesteaders, but I don't talk to a lot of homesteaders that are doing it um, as a business. You know, most of the most of the folks I talk to and most folks I'm I'm interact with on a daily basis in homesteading, they're they're mostly interested in growing their own food and and you know just getting a healthy lifestyle and having that kind of lifestyle where they're just becoming self sufficient, sustainable. But I think it's great to talk to someone who's who's going down the business path they're you know want to take it to that next level and uh, turn it into a business and selling their vegetables and you know selling their eggs and and even and doing some other things and i think that's pretty cool uh, i also think it's a it's a another aspect of self-sufficiency you know when you can take the thing you love doing and you can try to turn it into your way of making a living that's pretty awesome and i, I think it's something to strive for for sure yeah that's what we're that's what we're working for and uh i mean all those things you mentioned about you know, uh, raising your own food and, and, you know, staying healthy and, and those things. That's, uh, I mean, uh, you know, Megan and I, we, we raise a lot of our own food. Um, mm-hmm. uh, actually, uh, usually I'll be honest with you, my breakfast and my lunch come from my farm. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean the full, pretty much the full palette of, uh, whatever we're harvesting is probably what I'm going to be having for lunch that day or for, or it's going to be part of my breakfast. Um, so we, I basically get two meals a day that are that are directly from my farm all year. Uh, uh, and then, obviously, 
we can a lot. We freeze a yeah. lot. And so we, uh, um, you know, the healthy thing is, is, um, we, we want to stay healthy. Obviously you got to be healthy. Um, because if you're not healthy, obviously you can't get the labor that needs to be done on your, on your homestead. Mm-hmm. And so you got to be healthy and, and you got to be able to, uh, to make good decisions. You have to be able to think through things, uh, think through things quickly mm-hmm. and, um, and, and act on it. And so if you're not healthy, um, if you're not putting good stuff in your body, then you're not going to be able to do those things. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean, it all starts there. I mean, it, sound, it almost sounds selfish sometimes to put yourself first, but you you have to, right? I mean, yeah, you know, you, you, you can't you can't do the things for others. You can't you can't you know function uh, like you need to in this world unless you know put some focus on yourself and uh, and and stay healthy and and just stay right. You know, that's what you got to do. And I, I I was guilty of just kind of letting myself go for years there, and and you know doing the other things you know and and yeah you have to backtrack at some point and say you know i got to take this serious you know if you want to be around for a long time and you want to be able to to function in a good way you you definitely want to take your health serious so i'm glad to hear you're doing that yeah absolutely now you uh you sound like you do a lot of things yourself Uh, you mentioned earlier that you have a a cool bot uh a refrigeration system did you hook that up yourself or is that something you had installed I did. I hooked it up myself. I actually uh, built a walk-in cooler. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, it's uh, it's just basically like a garden shed. I built it, and then I I insulated it, um, and I put a lot of insulation in it. I can't tell you how much insulation is in this thing, but there is a lot. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean oh, yeah. a whole lot. You you about pretty so, much have to to make it efficient, right? Yeah, you do, and we used it last summer, and um, it did it did very well. It it actually it's it's partially shaded yeah, until about one o'clock in the afternoon, and then it gets then it gets sunlight. So, um, it, I mean, it gets that really hot afternoon sunlight, Ooh, but it yeah. doesn't really get sunlight in the morning. But it's um, it it did very well last summer. So, um, but yeah, I built it and put it in, and the Coolbot uh, is. Is really easy to use. And, yeah, yeah, for folks who don't uh, yeah. know, there's probably a, probably a few folks that's never heard of that. So what it is, you use a, a, an air conditioning unit, right? I mean, can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, so you just use a like a, well, a window unit for yeah. air air conditioning, and then um, it just kind of tr- it kind of tricks that that unit into thinking it's warmer than what it actually is, mm-hmm. and then it just keeps cycling through, and then it actually has a temperature gauge on it, the cool body itself, and once it gets to that that temperature that you set it at. It, it, it'll it'll maintain it yeah yeah with a with a window air conditioner it's pretty amazing a little setup it was kind of uh ingenious of these folks that thought of that right yeah it is uh but it's it's a wonderful tool if you are i mean we it's perfect for our situation because mm-hmm. what we'll do is we'll harvest product we'll stick it in that cooler and then we shut that cooler down as soon as we harvest everything and get it out of the cooler so i don't have that thing running all the time yeah. it may run two or three days a week and then that's it and, and so that's, I mean, that's why it's a perfect setup for us. And it, yeah. like I said, it's a cooler. So we keep stuff about, about 38 degrees, 38, 40 degrees, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that's all we need it for. And, it, you know, if you need a big walk-in cooler with a freezer and all that stuff, obviously you got to spend a lot of money to get all that. Yeah. But the cool bot, I mean, I think we were, for the cool bot and the window unit, um, I think we were all in all six or 700 bucks right there yeah. for that, yeah. for that whole setup. Yeah, it's a lot more affordable than a than a big walk-in unit that you know commercial walk-in unit. 
It is. It's. I mean, you can spend a couple thousand dollars on something like that. So. Yeah, yeah. I know a lot of a lot of market gardeners are going that cool bot way. I think it's. I think it's pretty cool. So yeah, I just. Uh, I've talked to a couple people that use those in the past. I don't think I've ever talked to anybody on the podcast that was using one. But yeah, I think they're pretty cool. I've seen them and and uh, I've seen them in action, and I think they're. I think they're pretty neat little setup for guys who are getting into the market garden uh, thing. So yeah, pretty cool. I was just curious if you'd put it together yourself or had somebody install that because they don't look real difficult to to set up. But I think the hardest part is just doing. The insulation stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, by far. I mean, I, I was, I didn't have any problems at all. It's very, very simple to use. The instructions are very, very easy, and I, I couldn't believe how easy it was to put that thing together. Actually, and so if you can, I mean, if you can knock a shed together or something, you can definitely put a cool bot in and and figure out how to work it. Yeah, awesome. So that's a great option for folks who are thinking about going down this path. Because I think there are a lot of homesteaders out there that would just love to get into the whole market gardening thing. But, you know, it's, you know, they don't know all the proper steps. They don't know all the things they're going to need to do. Um, it sounds like uh, you have a lot to offer uh, folks uh, going down that path or whatnot. So you uh, you do have a website and I believe a YouTube channel and all that, right? Yeah, I do. I have a website. Uh, it's just uh, Smith Family Farm. Uh, TN for Tennessee dot uh, mm-hmm. com, and then um, obviously I've got a uh, obviously my emails uh, Jason at Smith Family Farm TN dot com, and then I, I do have a YouTube channel. I also we have, we have a blog, and mm-hmm. um, so that's if you know if anyone wants to get in touch with me, that's how they can do it. Sure, sure. Well, we'll definitely put that stuff in the show notes, and and uh, you know people can reach out to you if they have some questions, or maybe they're interested, or maybe they're local there and they want to get some. Uh, I want to get some food from you because it sounds like you got a lot of great uh, product. Maybe some folks would be interested in. Yeah, absolutely, and would love to would love to talk to some fellow homesteaders, especially in this area. I know with me, it's like I always get excited when I find homesteaders in my area. Uh, you know, I always yeah. want to meet them and you kind of get in touch with them and find out what they're doing and just so, you know, because as a as a homesteader, you're always wanting to just make contact with with folks around you because it can be a little bit of a an isolating lifestyle to some degree. You know, you're working your place all the time and you don't get a lot of contact with people in your area. You get you do the like the, a lot of the online thing, but it's just not quite the same. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And I, I mean, I just like, I, I mean, I love listening to other folks that are that are going down this path and and listening to their experience with, with, with you know, just with the details of, of their homestead, like you know, you know, what what's happening with their chickens or their garden mm-hmm. or what they're what they're canning or what they're thinking about doing, ideas on on different things. So yeah, love that. Yeah, that's what I love too. That's why we, why I do a show about that most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I just, Absolutely. you know, it's really inspiring to me just to hear people's stories and, you know, and, and inspiration is an encouragement is just as important as having the skills because, uh, the skills are great. They'll get the job done, but unless you're inspired and encouraged to get out there and actually do it, it, it ain't going to do any good, you know? So I love to be inspired Absolutely. and just get anxious and want to jump out there and listen to folks like you and, and others and hearing your stories and all the things you're doing. It, it it uh, gets me excited about uh, getting out there and, and getting with it. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, and you're probably uh, right now just getting into the thick of it, you know, because down there it's starting to warm up a little earlier than it is here. So you're probably real close to starting to transplant some things outside and get some things going here in the next couple, three or four weeks probably. Yeah, we are. We started, uh, we actually started, uh, I mean, we've got stuff actually that we overwintered that we're actually harvesting now. But, mm-hmm. yeah, we've got a bunch of tomatoes we're ready to put out, and I'm just kind of keeping an eye on 
on the, the temperatures at night to see see where we're going to be. Um, our, our frost day here in Middle Tennessee is May 1st, so May 1st. it looks like we're going to be okay. So, Now, do you have any, uh, out of curiosity, do you have any like fruit trees or bushes or anything like that? Are you doing any kind of berries or fruit or anything like that on your farm? Yeah, we've got a small orchard up at the front of our our place, and we've got uh, uh, we've got pear trees, Asian pear trees, and then just I don't know what the other ones are, but just regular pear trees. Mm-hmm. We had some uh, apple trees; they just haven't done very well. And then we've have a couple of peach, um, and the peach trees seem to get they seem to get uh, bitten with frost every year. So. Yeah. But the Asian pear trees on our place have done really well. Um, and Did so you, I don't know why they do so well here, but they have done really well, and we've had some wonderful Asian pears. Yeah, do you, did you plant those yourself, or were they on the property when you got there? Nope, we planted them ourselves. We planted them right as soon as we purchased this place, which is about 10 years ago. So they're, yeah. they're, they're big, and they're, they're producing. I mean, one tree will give you more Asian pears than we can ever I mean, then we know what to do with. But sell, sell quite a bit of that are, stuff too, or you just? I did, yeah. When I was at the farmers market, I had mm-hmm. I had several customers that would come in and buy Asian pears, and uh, yeah, we had good luck selling those. Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah, especially folks wanting just to you know put up preserves and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I would imagine that goes good at the farmers market. I think any kind of fruit, anything that people can like make something out of and and can it or store it people love to buy that kind yep. of stuff at the farmer's market yeah absolutely they do well it sounds like you got quite a place there and uh probably uh got plans for adding a few things over the next few years i would imagine and expanding things and and definitely growing it but uh man it sounds like uh sounds yep. like you got a lot, a lot to offer there yeah it's good it's a good lifestyle we've got some we do have plans to do some different things in the future i'd like to like to make me a woodworking shop and then also probably put us a, a, a storefront down here mm-hmm. to where we can be a little more comfortable whenever we're selling uh, produce. But, yeah, I mean, there's always something to do out here. We enjoy it. It's a, it's a very fun and rewarding lifestyle. And, um, you know, I just want to just trying to get the word out. Yeah. Now, let me ask you this real quick. Now, by putting in a storefront or even doing what you're doing, they're selling on your property. Do you run any kind of uh, regulations or anything that are an issue? I have not yet. Um, yeah. And I'm I've, the the chefs that I work with. I'm I, you know I asked them, hey, is there something that I need to do before this comes to you? Um, so I haven't, uh, and so I've, I've worked with chefs from that perspective, but mm-hmm. I haven't run into any type of any type of issues yet. Um, I probably should look into it, but um, I just—I mean, I haven't had any haven't had any problems yet. Yeah, ten, I think Tennessee is probably a little bit more friendly of a state than some some states on on those kind of things. So I was just curious what the laws down there on that were, if you'd run any kind of issues. But I know in some places it can be an issue. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, I mean, you know, we're not we're not trying to. I mean, you know, Megan and I aren't trying to like skirt the market or anything. So mm-hmm. if if somebody comes out here and says something to us, hey, you're not compliant or whatever, obviously we would do everything we could to, sure. to, to yeah. get compliant. Um, because, you know, this is our, this is our, this is kind of our livelihood. So we, we take a lot of pride in it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of folks trying to get around things all the time. And I wasn't implying that, but I was just kind of wondering if it'd been a, if it'd been something that you'd had to jump through any kind of hoops for to, to get things compliant or not. But it sounds like, a, but t- I'm guessing Tennessee is probably a pretty friendly state to those kind of things. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I'll let yep. you get on with your day. Is there anything else you wanted to throw out there for uh, before we let you go? No, that's it, man. Just uh, I appreciate you having me on. And um, so if anybody wants to find any information out about us, they can email us or, or go to the website. So Yeah, I'll definitely have uh, information in the show notes. And, man, it's been some great information. I find it really inspiring, encouraging. And I think some folks, uh, like I said, I don't get a lot of folks on talking about market gardening and stuff. And I'm always, I love hearing that kind of stuff because it's, it's something is, as, um, you know, I expand and I grow and, you know, get a little bit more into this. It's something I'm definitely looking a lot more into. And I just helped a friend, uh, you know, an hour away. We built a big a greenhouse on his property and he's going to be doing that. So I know he had a lot of interest in that. So, you know, it's something that I'm starting to get around a lot more. So it's, I've really enjoyed talking to you about today. I think it's uh, given me some ideas and some, and it's got me thinking about a few things. Yeah, sure. Good deal. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you coming on and taking the time, man. It's great talking to you. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Well, that was some great stuff from Jason. Um, now, I'll have all the things we mentioned in the uh, the podcast uh, in the resources uh, section of the show notes. I'll have his uh, farm website, smithfamilyfarmtn.com, their blog, their YouTube channel. I also put a couple links in there, uh, one for the CoolBot uh, website. We were talking about that CoolBot, and I have a feeling that some of you might be interested in learning more about that. I put a, a link in there to their website and also uh, Curtis Stone's uh, urban farmer, uh, the urban farmer, um, uh, website, uh, cause he's got a lot of good information, a lot of good videos and stuff. If anybody's looking to, uh, to do market gardening, it's just a great resource. And, and we mentioned him in, in the interview there. So I want you to go check that out, but really good stuff from Jason. And, and he's doing some really good things down there in the Nashville area. And, uh, I just like, I like everything he's doing and uh, really good stuff. Uh, let's just jump right into our homestead recipe of the week. This week's recipe comes in from Darcy. And this recipe is for homemade chicken noodle soup. And I mean, everybody loves a good chicken noodle soup. But when it's homemade, made from things around the, the homestead, oh man, it's just twice as good. So uh, take it away, Darcy. Hello, everyone. This is Darcy Brady from Lyons, New York, on my little unnamed homestead here. Today, I'd like to share with you my all-time favorite chicken noodle soup recipe. So I start with whatever chicken I usually have on hand, whether it be uh, bone-in chicken legs, some chicken thighs, a carcass from a meal that I've had earlier in the week. I cover that with water and some bouillon, or you can use chicken stock if you prefer that you already have on hand. Add uh, two onions diced, four teaspoons of Italian seasoning, one sliced up lemon. I prefer to use organic lemons because you're using the whole lemon with the skin on. Um, six garlic cloves, three to four bay leaves, and some salt and pepper to taste. Boil that down for about an hour until your chicken is nice and tender and almost shreddable. Pour everything through a colander and get your stock into another pot. The remaining ingredients in the colander, um, except for the chicken, of course, I add the chicken back to the stock pot, and the remaining ingredients go into my compost and or to the chickens or whatever you feel like doing with it. And then I add that back onto the stove, and I add my one cup of sliced carrots, a cup of sliced celery, and a half a cup to one cup of sliced mushrooms. I use white mushrooms or baby bellas, three tablespoons of parsley, and two teaspoons of rosemary. Cook that down until the carrots are al dente, 
which would be about 20 minutes approximately. And then I add two-thirds a cup of white wine, a half a cup of grated Parmesan cheese, one cup of heavy whipping cream, which is the secret ingredient, and one bag of homestyle broad egg noodles. Cook until your noodles are al dente, about 15 to 20 minutes, and you're done. Add it to your soup bowls and enjoy. I hope you love this recipe. Thanks, everyone. All right. That's some great stuff there. That, is a, that sounds really, really good. I know some of you will be trying that for sure. If you want to send in your favorite homestead recipe, and, I'm, and I hope you will, uh, just send in an audio recording. You can do that using a computer or you can use your cell phone. A lot of folks just use their cell phone. And most cell phones, I think all cell phones pretty much anymore, the smartphones have a recording app installed that you could use for like a voice recorder. And you just jump on there and say, this is so-and-so. And if you have a website or a Facebook page or a homestead name you want to share, go ahead and do that. And just say a recipe I like and want to share with you today is, and let us have it. Try to keep the recording between one and five minutes. And remember, it doesn't have to be perfect. I think so many people want to try to get that recording perfect before they send it in. Don't worry about it. This ain't a perfect show. <laughs> we will take it. Uh, don't worry about that. And when you're done recording and you're satisfied with how it sounds, just email it to me at sthomestead at gmail.com, and I'll add it to a future episode. And if you have a website or a Facebook page for your homestead, uh, send that in the email also, and I'll add that to the show notes. So I uh, hope to hear from a few more of you. We have a couple in the queue now that some folks sent in, so I'm glad to see that. But if you have one, go ahead and send it in, and we'll get it on a future episode. Also, if you want to submit a question for the podcast, you can send your questions in by calling or texting to our voicemail at 765 765- Two zero three one nine four nine. Didn't have a question this week. Generally do, but um, yeah, I'd love to answer your questions if they're not too long and drug out. If there's something I can answer within just a couple, two or three or four minutes, love to answer those on the podcast. So go ahead and send those questions in, and we'll try to try to answer those to the best of my ability. Well, thank you for joining me today, folks. And if you want the show notes for this episode, they can be found at smalltownhomestead.com forward slash one twenty two. And it means a lot to me that you'll take the time out of your day to to listen to this podcast. I really do appreciate that, and uh, I hope you enjoyed it. And until next week, happy homesteading, and God bless. Thanks for listening. To see the show notes for this podcast or listen to other podcast episodes, go to smalltownhomestead.com. There you can also read our blog, connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Google+, and take advantage of the many resources we make available to help you along in your homesteading journey. Please share this podcast and help us to carry out our mission of helping others to homestead today for a better tomorrow.